Stephanie Coxon. And I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. And we are two women influencing real lives. So let's twirl. Our schools have become a battleground for ideology and now mental health care and so many other things. And even our libraries are becoming uh, a point of contention. Who would have ever thought there would be problems within American libraries? And today we are going to visit with Representative Dawn Kiefer of the 92nd District, representing the 92nd District in Pennsylvania. And she is chair of the Freedom Caucus in Pennsylvania. And we're going to hear from her and some things that are happening. I am Kathy Anderson Martin. And I am Stephanie Coxon. And we are two women inspiring real lives. So let's twirl. Hey, Dawn, it is so good to have you on here with us today. You are one of our favorite legislators, and I just love that you're able to share. You're always such a wealth of knowledge, and your passion always comes through. So I think, um, I don't know, I'm very excited about tonight and just releasing information that people may not know is happening, not only in the um, in Pennsylvania, but across the United States, really. Yes, and um, and... and- your perspective from inside the Capitol in Pennsylvania uh, extends throughout the, the country. And before we get started, Dawn, I know we mentioned quickly in your bio that you are chair of the Pennsylvania Freedom Caucus. And can you, uh, within the State House of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, can you share a little bit about what that is? Sure. We launched the Pennsylvania Freedom Caucus about a year ago. Um, and how it works, it's invitation only. So we are a pretty, actually moderate group because the things that we stand on as the Pennsylvania Freedom Caucus and most Freedom Caucuses are we will, we will block anything that expands government or steals freedoms. Those are our do or die issues. And so if it's advocating to actually reduce government or advocating to expand our freedoms, we're all about it. And, but if somebody's trying to pass something, regardless of party, um, that steals your personal freedoms or that grows government, which steals personal freedoms, we will be that wall. We will be that voice. And not only are we going to oppose it, but we are going to be loud. We are going to let all of our constituents know what's going on. So it doesn't just fly by the dead of night. You don't know what happened. Um, so that that's our premise. And then things that are procedural, just dealing with the rules. Like we're going to stick to the rules. Um, none of the suspending stuff, none of this doing stuff at midnight or, um, you know, uh, going or circumventing the rules as far as the rules of how we operate in the General Assembly, um, we, we are also going to be advocates and proponents of those rules. And are you following other Freedom Caucuses that have developed across the U- U.S., or is this very separate from that? No, it is not separate. So we're all, you know, using and utilizing each other as best practices, trying to, you know, really streamline this so that we can have a, co- a cohesive voice as much as possible because it's, that's how we're going to connect, you know, these individual states, connect them together. When I can tell you, Dawn Kiefer from York County, hey, this is what's going on and you're my constituents and I can kind of guide you through the process, that's personal. And then I can take my Freedom Caucus, connect it to, you know, the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, right? And now we've got a national movement. That's fantastic. And I love, you know, who can argue with, well, I'm sure some can argue, but, um, you know, something to limit government, uh, protect our freedoms and follow the rules. Imagine those novel concepts. I love the media spins it. 
the media spins it all the time. Like I just read an article uh, the other day, WITF, which is such a hyper-partisan group, but um, WITF reported, and this is the extreme conservative or the alt-right group, you know, Freedom Caucus. I was like, when did protecting freedoms and limiting government become extreme? Since they went communist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they love that well, word. Since, yeah. Now, extreme yep. is the word of the day. And uh, again, yes. let me c- define that extreme means limiting government, protecting freedoms and following the rules. Yes. And if you're a mother who cares yes. about your children, that's also that's extreme. extreme. Yes. Just so we clarify. Yes. <laughs> yes. At least according to past, yes. past remarks by that same same organization. Yep. So, wow. So this this is a pretty big thing that's going across nationwide and, and greatly needed. I think that a huge amount of Americans really woke up during COVID. And I think a lot of this really came out of that. Is that the case? That is, it, it is part of the case was COVID was a big awakening. Um, and as everybody was trying to figure out, like, how can I have an impact? How can I be influential? Um, and we realized that, wait, there's a big fat uniparty out there, right? It's not really Republican or Democrat. It's the uniparty that we're fighting. Um, it's the, you know, Dawn, Dawn, you know, I know that this is difficult, but, you know, we just got to be a good team player. Let's just, you know, take one for the team. Well, how many do I have to take from the team until we can move policy forward that actually benefits the majority instead of, you know, the loudest or the squawkiest, you know, we, we keep doling out more money to try to address everything or, or circumventing or pushing down the ideas that the majority want in order to like, let's just get things done. The you path know, of least resistance. I just thought of a cool bumper sticker from what you said, Dawn. We could have um, big fat uniparty and then with the circle with the line through it. And that be big fat uniparty. Like, no, we don't want the big fat uniparty. Yeah, no uniparties. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm on board with that. You don't want that? No. I love I, that. Big I, fat uniparty. First That's of all, fighting. I'm not putting uniparty. a bumper sticker on my car. And if you get me a T-shirt like that for Christmas, I'm not wearing it. I know. You don't wear T-shirts. I have a We the People 1776 bumper sticker on my car I'm very proud of. But anywho, so Dawn, I know you, the caucus and you as a representative, and we thank you. We love that you are there representing and fighting for us here in Pennsylvania and your friends across the country. And has been. Yes. You were you were one of the first legislators that really took action during COVID. You were willing to show up for anyone, anywhere, didn't matter where they were from. You were just there when other people were scared. And I, I want people to know that about oh, you. Absolutely. Yeah, I was writing uh, when our fascist uh, Governor Wolf was shutting down businesses or trying to shut down businesses. I was trying to get businesses to stay the course and stay open. Um, And what you had to have a special waiver to stay open, which I thought was nonsense, especially when I had like two identical businesses and one was, you know, issued a waiver and the other one was denied. So I just started issuing kefir waivers. So I issued about uh, around 75 kefir waivers throughout the county of York, whether you're my constituent or not. And um, I got a call from one of of my colleagues that says, Dawn, uh, one of my constituents came in or called me and said, asked for this waiver. And they said that you would give them one. I don't know what you think you're doing, but, you know, they have it has no legal standing. And I said, well, I don't think that the governor's orders have any legal standing either. And what this is giving them is courage to fight. And I will stand with them and fight. Awesome. I love that. Key for waivers. (laughs) Are they available on eBay? Are they still around that we can find one and keep it for posterity? You know what? I should have them for posterity, but they're not for sale. I just give theirs away. I mean, those are, you know, that's called freedom. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. 
So there's some major things that are, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize there's a few tests, what I call test states in the U.S., California, New York, and Pennsylvania. And because Pennsylvania is more of a purple state, we really have a lot of influence nationwide. And we see a lot of things coming through here that it's people like you that are putting a stop to. And so your awareness of certain situations, I think that America should really be, well, actually any country really should be aware of because they're, they're probably putting this across the world, just like they did COVID, right? You know, absolutely. And, and one of the things that you're really um, standing up to right now in trying to sh- shift for a better word um, or lack of a better word is the American Library Association. And we knew those librarians. We knew the quiet ones were sneaky. Yes. But I don't know that everyone really understands exactly how sneaky these people are. That came up on another show about the sneaky uh, librarian syndicate going on. So, And they're, they're still and coming. Yep. I don't want to lump them all together because we do have some great local librarians, right? Our local communities. Um, we have, and we have a lot of volunteers in there. But as a movement, as a movement nationally and at the state level, yeah, they're beyond, they're not even sneaky about it. They're actually quite brazen in what they want to do, starting with the national uh, new president, who's a self-proclaimed Marxist. I'm not name calling. She is a self-proclaimed, uh, she says, I'm a self-proclaimed lesbian Marxist. No, and Dawn, that um, is the, the president, just to clarify, the president of the National Library Association? Of the American Library Association. America, okay. Yep. You gotcha. Yep. Wow. Uh, Emily Drabinsky is her name. And uh, she, you know, they, they campaigned to get this role as president. And she campaigned on a platform that was about making libraries the center of social organization. Right. And Wait, so putting it's not them on about... the front line of culture wars. So it's not about reading anymore? No, it's not about reading and access to information. And anybody that criticizes her or any other efforts, um, so if you if you object to having obscene materials accessible to minors, which is a crime in any other under any other circumstance, that's a crime. But you actually speaking against that out against that. She calls uh, the parents uh, Christo Christo fascist. Hmm, Christo fascist. Huh. Never heard that term before, but I'm that's guessing we're Christian. It's an assumption we're Christians and we're fascists. Because we don't want our children to have access to porn. Wow, that's not very tolerant to take that leap and uh, lump everyone into a group like that. But the thing you started out with, you said she campaigned within, I guess, people that are members of the American Library Association and won the election to be given her platform. So you have to assume that a majority, and and you're exactly right there, we don't want to lump people together. There are a lot. I like the disclaimer, girls. I like the disclaimer. My late mother-in-law was a librarian and was a wonderful person. But then a majority of their membership uh, chose to go with this lady. So you have to assume that they they agree with her platform, correct? Right. And part of her platform was going against these conservative groups, challenging and taking on conservative groups. Yet the American Library Association's claims to be a nonpartisan group. I don't know, all about the people in the community, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then she they actually choose her to be their president when she says, I plan to take on the conservatives. Well, that doesn't sound nonpartisan to me. I'm just using your own words. 
And how does she deem or what does she want to do within the libraries? Have little training grounds or, you know, little classes or little whatever she's doing? Yes, full unbridled access to help you come in uh, all about she wants to, you know, uh, climate change, the Green New Deal, um, uh, the electric cars explode and leave you stranded or that that green new deal where yes <laughs> I mean, just yeah. curious okay we're getting okay. off on it sorry yeah. yes but that's okay sorry. yeah yes that that green new deal yes that's great um and and so she's for all these movements and and using the library to as a platform for that now on the flip side of it like some things that have already happened uh um oh what's his kirk um christian actor um Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Yes. Kirk Cameron. Yes. I like it. So his group has been coming in to, you know, he has an alternative to Scholastic, which promotes um, obscenity in their uh, in their repertoire of books that they uh, have throughout the our schools. So he has an alternative to it, um, and a couple other programming things. And um, she assisted, or the the American Library Association was assisting other libraries with how they could block these groups from coming in to their libraries. So access to books, except for the ones we don't like. Right, right. And so, and if you don't want the porn in there, you're, you, you're just a book banner. Right. So you, so you, that's you have we, to have the porn in there. Everybody. So you have to have the porn in there, but you cannot have any Christian reference material or. Correct. Right. Because Correct. obviously, Stephanie, you are a Christo fascist. You yes. know, I'm going to run with that word. Yes. I kind of like it. It's a nice sticker. Yeah. Bumper sticker. Maybe. Okay. I, maybe. It's a little presumptuous. You know, how does she know that I'm not Jewish? Right. Exactly. Oh, that's you a know, good how does point. She, yeah. I, I may be Muslim, right? It's just that typical when you don't have an argument, when you don't have a foundation for what you have to say, right? We just name call. And that's the MO of these, you know, extreme liberals that, you know, just have one tunnel vision focus of what they want to do, which is basically to corrupt families, right? And children uh, to blow that all up because that's an indoctrinate terrible norm and and indoctrinate. But even so, because it's these same librarians who are having these, um, what do they call them? Those story times, story time with the drag queen story. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if an adult wants to go to a drag queen show, whatever, you know, your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you want to do. But to put children in a situation where they're looking at very risque stuff. I mean, I have a heart attack when I see some of these teenagers and females and, you know, showing everything that right. really should be left to the imagination. I certainly right. don't want to take my kids to a show that says this is OK. Right. And so let's let's take that to another way. Another, you know, just let's take their same actions and let's put another spin on it. If I wanted to grab some strippers, right? From our gentlemen, quote unquote, gentlemen's club, right? Women came in and they had no bra on and some thongs and said, okay, we, we're here to do some story time, right? Yeah. The girls of Savannah's, right? Is that acceptable? If it is unacceptable for me to go to my son's football banquet in my thongs and panty, you know, my panties and bra, right? Yes. It should be unacceptable for a man to go in my panties and a bra to my son's football banquet or the library. You sound very extremist here. You sound very Christo-fascist right here. <laughs> I know. Right? Thank you. Uh, you know, my other issue with this, well, there are a lot of issues, but uh, 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't libraries funded by tax dollars? And that's where I come into this, right? So if you want to do these things, fine. But what I'm calling on in Pennsylvania and other, uh, if this is taking place, other Freedom Caucuses across the country have done the same, is saying, you know what? We give millions of dollars to our libraries every year. So I'm just saying, I'm not touching that money, all right? The money is still there, but you may not use taxpayer dollars to underwrite these efforts by the American Library Association. So you may not use these dollars to pay your dues and anything else that you're doing there uh, when they are undermining our, our communities and our state and our families. Is that something that has been passed? I mean, in Pennsylvania or in other states, have we been successful in doing that? Um, I believe it was South Dakota that has been successful that is so far. I, there's one or two that have already, it has passed through and they're fine. Uh, they've gotten it through. Other ones have proposed it. Um, and our budget is uh, not finished still. It was due uh, July 1. Um, that's and the, uh, that's the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania state budget. Pennsylvania state budget. So we still have a portion of ours to do. Like we have appropriated the dollars, but uh, we have to pass what are called code bills in order to spend the dollars we appropriated. So in education, while the money's been appropriated there, it's not, you need to tell them how it's spent. So right. libraries still don't have their money. And my, I'm just saying, hey, no problem. They can get their money once this code bill's finished. But in that code bill needs to be a condition that says taxpayers are not going to foot the bill for this Marxist organization to corrupt our children. And I think, uh, you know, the state, I, I don't know how, how many different levels there are, but the state has to pay the national organization, right? And then who's... So, yeah, yes, anybody can be a member of the American Library Association, but a lot, the state library association, and then, and then you have local libraries, you have county, you know, ours in Pennsylvania, our counties run the libraries. You'll have a county usually that runs, you know, all the branch ones that go into each of, you know, the towns. So it breaks down. The state gives the money to the county's libraries and then they, you know, parse it out to their individual ones. So there's a couple ways we can go at it. One is at the state level in Pennsylvania. We say, you know what, you can't use any state dollars to pay any memberships or dues or, or programming fees for, to the American Library Association. And then what, what your listeners can do, right, is they can go to their counties. Their counties have library boards. There are people in your community. And you say to them, no, I do not want you using our dollars, which are always right. And they never have enough money. The last thing I want you to do is to dilute those precious resources to this Marxist organization. And how does one get on a library board? Um, it's my understanding. It's appointed by, I believe it's your county commissioners. And I could be wrong about that, but I know the county your county commissioners run the library. So they, you know, it stems from there. That's how they're Probably. organized in the first place. And that could Probably. vary state to state. Yes. Yeah, that um, could, but you can uh, look it up. I mean, I found ours, you know, very quickly because I was wondering in mine specifically in Pennsylvania, I'm in York County and I just pulled up the York County library. Um, and I found it has all the members of that, of the board listed, the library board listed there. Uh, it's probably, I was just thinking as you were speaking, I mean, libraries as a battleground for indoctrination did not come to my mind, first of all, with a lot of the things right. we talked about. So it's good information to know. But I was just thinking as you were speaking, I don't remember the last time I walked into a library. 
quite honestly. Uh, so probably a good place to start is to visit your local library or see what they're doing or get some of the information, um, you know, to see what's going on there. Uh, you know, and I, I, I would tell you a lot of our libraries in our area, like when, if you're in a, in a big one, right, like you would be in York City in my case, right, you would probably have a lot of paid staff. But if you come to Dillsburg in the town that I live in within the county, right, we have a librarian, but then we have a lot of volunteers that help as well. Um, so there are local people that you know. I, I'm sure you could ask for a schedule of what's, you know, what classes, what information's available, what yeah. are they doing, look at the shelves and so forth, and um, just get a, you know, it's a good place before you, you know, go to tackle a problem is to find out what's happening in your community. And I think that's a lot of thought people aren't don't realize, like, this is a lot of new information to me. They don't realize what's going on. And when their eyes are open, they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. And it's, right I was in- it's the same thing that happened in our schools, right? Yeah. Their parents were on autopilot. They were on autopilot. They just sent their kids to school. And the only time that they really said anything, right, was when little Susie came home with a D or an F or when, when, you know, they didn't make whatever team they wanted to be, but they weren't paying attention to the details. And I can tell you, you know, um, my kids in a Catholic school, I remember my daughter got put in a math class at a level at a level that she shouldn't have been at. She should have been at a higher level. And I started asking my friends, Hey, what math is your daughter taking in, in sixth grade or your son taking in sixth grade? They're like, I don't know. Like, you don't know. I said, you, you drive your child twice a week to a Philadelphia soccer league and you don't know what math your kid's doing in sixth grade right well with covid everybody your eyes were open parents were sitting there and they were seeing not only what their children were learning but how they were learning and they were shocked and we have yet to recover from that right and and that's what i think so much of this stephanie and i've been doing this show now for a little while and it keeps coming back to that of so many things um, you know, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened with COVID, certainly. Uh, and I think there's more bad stuff to come. But there was a lot of good stuff in that it was kind of a reawakening for a lot of people to say, oh, my gosh, look what's happening that I've been asleep at the wheel. Right. And I say that with COVID all the time. COVID was terrible. But, you know, I, you have to look at your blessings as well. Right. It is a blessing that people woke up, right, that they saw what was going on, that they started asking questions um, and then they saw how uncomfortable people were, you know, when, when the teachers are saying, no, no, I do not want parents watching while I'm teaching. What do you mean? You don't want parents watching while you're teaching. That makes me want to watch all the more. And I want to know what you're doing now. That's right? exactly right. I'll be taking the class with my son at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank but- you so much. And I better get that. A. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the library association, um, this is something that the Pennsylvania Freedom Caucus is taking up and hopefully a lot of others uh, and trying to get this passed through the legislative to limit or just direct where taxpayer funds, how and where they can be spent and proper accountability with these things. And and so in the role that any listener can do, right, is call your senator, call your state rep. They don't have to be a member of the Freedom Caucus, right? As a taxpayer, they have a say and they should call their state senator. They should call their state representative and say, I do not want you to support that education code bill unless there's a condition that prevents my tax dollars from going to the American Library Association. I thought of another thing, Dawn. Maybe they should call their local librarian and say, hey, did you vote for Emily Drabinsky as the um, head of your organization? Because that would probably tell you a lot, right? Yes. And if yes, so, they're, they're a member. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how they vote on that, but I, you know, I know they're members in it, and I would guess only the board gets a vote, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but they're all members in it because, and and you know, some one of them made the comment when we first asked about this in the spring, and we we made this claim in the spring about hey or demand. Uh, they said, well, you know, they have to be members. Like our state association has to be members of it of the national association because we need the programming or we need access to materials and. You know, they get a license and we're able to get books based on their license. I'm not sure what all of it is, but I know this. We can figure it out. That's right. We can That's figure it right. Out. Well, we've got to go to break here, but I want to come back to a little bit of this and see how it also fits into what's happening within our, our education system right now. So give us a second. Let's get back to this. You can find out more about my show and get all the latest podcasts if you go to the menu nav bar at America Out Loud under our shows or schedule. You'll be in the know. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must all do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos that we can help secure America's future. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flu, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. AmericaOutloud.news 
is beating to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. So we're talking about the American Library Association, how they're insisting that the state has to be part of the national organization. But the fight for our children's minds really isn't just in the libraries. There's a lot that's been happening since COVID, and they're trying to sneak it at, at really at every angle. And I think it's important to talk about a bill that you have been working on um, that really gets into the, the the schools and mental health. Right. So um, it, after COVID, right, after our schools had inflicted all of these issues with mental health, not that we didn't have it, some of it going on prior to COVID, but it really, I mean, COVID exacerbated it, right? So schools um, isolated children, kept them from apart from each other, kept them masked, so they were socially underdeveloping and, um, and causing all this mental health issue. Now, now they want to come in and they want to provide mental health care to our students. Um, I initially challenged it saying, wait a minute, um, I can't get mental health care for my child in the private sector. How are you providing it in the public sector? Surely you can't pay what they can in the private sector, right? So how are you going to administer this? Um, and they were, it was a, you know, it was just kind of brushing you off. Oh, no, no, we'll just do it, right? We'll just get it in here. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to turn teachers into mental health care providers, right? They're going to come in and have them be assessing your ch children, um, which they are not educated or trained to do. Um, and so now they're going to come into your schools and try to provide mental health care for your kids. A lot of it, they snuck in through safety and security. That's how they got it into schools initially. Uh, in Pennsylvania, that is. And a lot of other schools did it as well. So they did it under safety and security. Um, you know, anytime there was a school shooting or a tragic school incident, it propelled their efforts. And alongside saddling, along with this would be uh, mental health. Now, no. our schools in Pennsylvania can't get our like less than half of our kids can read on grade level less barely over a third can do math on grade level but they want to try to provide mental health or any health care to my kids no thank so, you so they they have failed us at education and they think they can do better with mental psychological health. development and that sounds counseling. that sounds safe to me and how right. do they propose right. to and, do and you should just let your go ahead. I was just gonna say, how do they propose to do this? I mean, so you have your little Tommies in second grade and the teacher just why can't they be Sally's? Sally, Sally and Tommy. Well, this this child identifies as Tommy. So Tommy is in second grade, and um the teacher says, I think Tommy has a mental health condition. And then what? The teacher has carte blanche to counsel Tommy into whatever she or he thinks his situation is? What's actually a little worse than that, what they're doing is they're just providing these surveys to assess the children. And so here, here teachers, okay, as if the teachers don't have enough to do, 
teachers, we need you to provide this evaluation assessment on every kid. And then little Sally or Tommy says, oh, well, you know, I feel sad. Do you feel sad? Yeah, I feel sad. Oh, Tommy's depressed, right? And now they're going to send something home. Hopefully they send it home to the parents because not all of it even requires them to communicate with the parents and say, little Sally is depressed. She's, she's sad and depressed and we're, we're recommending services for her. And it's okay because guess what? We've got a provider here in our school. You can do it right here in our school. So now I said, uh, you know, I, I, I try to think three steps ahead of how the, their minds are working. So now, like, we never have to worry about red flag laws again, right? And, and people having guns, because we will assess them. We will identify them as mentally, you know, unsettled, right? And they'll never be eligible to own a firearm in the first place. Right? All because so now they got a record. They got a record now. All because little Tommy was sad in second grade. Or what yes. he heard it. And Probably then, because he didn't get his bologna sandwich when he wanted a peanut butter sandwich. Yes. That's right. Because you can't have a freaking nut in school. <laughs> <laughs> and in that, uh, dear listeners, she's referring to actual peanuts, which calls allergies. <laughs> correct? Because there are nuts in schools, but we're here referring to the peanuts that might be in the sandwich. That should be clarified yes. since we are talking yeah, in this sorry. realm. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's just, you know, my, my kids are now 22 and 23, but I just think back as crazy stuff they said and things that they would tell, you know, and I mean, friends would say your daughters said this, or, you know, when they went to church, Sunday school teacher, teacher, whatever, but we had teachers who you could laugh about it and whatever. Uh, it's just amazing that you could have something, a child say something on a certain day that could affect it, truly their entire lives. And the parents aren't even uh, aware. Yeah. Right. I, I, and my, and- they don't have to. So, and also if your kid in Pennsylvania, and this is, this is the case in most States across the country, 14 years and older, they don't have to tell the parents if they're providing any kind of psychological services for your child. I think it's about control. Who's in control. They don't want you as the parent in control. We want to be in control as the school, which is the brand uh, branch of the government. And am I correct that the, the kids can opt out of any of these surveys, correct? Because there's a um, lot of can. surveys that. Come. Okay. So, so they can, they, but sometimes they're denied and they don't know that they can, that it's not mandatory. So that's another problem. And I can tell you it's a personal problem because in West Shore school district, um, they were just sued. Uh, West Shore School District is a school district in my district, which is in northern York County and uh, part of Cumberland County. And so they were just sued by parents because parents attempted to opt out their children in some of the social emotional programming and other things and were denied. Oh, it made it difficult for them. So they were sued and they uh, and those parents won on that. Um, So, yes, they can opt out, but they often they don't know that they can opt out and some schools are making it difficult for parents to opt out. So I think the conversation I know with my children who are still in school, the ones that are still in school, I have the conversation that they always have the right to say no to anything, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a teacher. And if there's an issue, I tell them, sit there, tell them I want to talk to my parents and sit there and be quiet until I be respectful. Yeah. Be respectful. Absolutely. But that they do not have to agree to anything and that if it's a survey that they're uncomfortable with or they're not sure about that they are to say, I would like my parent to be present. And that's always an okay thing for them to do. 
I agree with that, but I, I say one step forward. I tell parents, first of all, I tell parents, pull your kids. I wouldn't put my kids in public school right now just because oh. of the indoctrination um, that's, you know, at a national level. But if you're going to- And they can't do math. Out, or read. Or read. Uh, but if you're going to put kids in public, your children in public school, you should send a disclaimer before they even step foot in that school that says, under no condition, may my child- complete any type of survey in the school district because the other thing that they're doing is they have them doing all kinds of surveys that you don't know about and uh it's it's all these different apps that are being marketed to the schools and the schools are taking the apps they're free quote unquote free right um nothing is free so if you don't pay for the product you are the product but it's worse the school's not the product Our children are the product, right? They are mining all this data from our children. And you do not have, I think already, like legally, I shouldn't have to even send out a letter because you don't have the right to take this information from my children. I don't care if it's not personally identifiable or not. You don't have the right to sell my child's information. And one of the things when I I had three children at the public school, one of the things that I did is I went through the handbooks. I mark things out. Mm. I rewrote things. I, you know, you can do that. There's nothing that says you have to agree to all that stuff. And I think that also you have to be your child's ally and support and spine and give them a spine. There's two things. You're their spine and you need to give them a spine. Because I think, um, you know, a lot of these opting up from things I've read, it puts, they put the child in an awkward situation. You know, they can opt out, but they have to walk out in front of the class or they have to do go somewhere else. And um, I think that's very intentional, you know, to kind of um, make them be quiet and just comply and go along. And a lot of kids, I mean, are like that. Kids are by nature want to be part of the crowd and the group and be liked. So they don't want to stand, you know, be signaled out by any means. And I think you as the parent or we as parents have to be on the forefront, not expect our child to say, hey, if they give you the survey, walk out. Um, You know, we shouldn't expect that of our fourth grader. We should be there. Um, at the forefront for them, because that's the other right. part of that this, isn't it? That they're making the kids, they're calling them out and making them uh, uncomfortable. Well, in any other circumstance, would that not be bullying? Yes. Yes. Right? You mean with and anti-bullying so policies? I don't understand. Yeah. And and so in, here's another kicker. We just had legislation that came through um, the Pennsylvania House, and now it hasn't come up for a vote, but they're trying to make parents so if your child is a bully that the parents can be responsible and fined for that like they could charge the parents for your child's bullying now wait i can't i can't know what my child's doing uh psychologically in the school and how you're addressing psychological you know uh, events in my with my child right i can't be privy to that but i can be responsible for them bullying again this makes a lot of logical sense i um... right? Uh, Christo fascist right there but but in turning the tables right because they did this with the mask they did this with the mask when a child was sent in and said hey I don't want my child wearing a mask and then you had teachers literally admonishing a child and saying why are you being selfish right why 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 are you trying to harm everybody else why do you think you're special right they were bullying these children so I mean that's when we need to turn the tables no 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 it, it's not just bullying students, right? It, it is teachers as well. You have to be, you, know, you have to follow the same code. 
Yeah. It, well, and that's so many of these things. It's, you know, what's right for thee and I don't, it doesn't apply to me. Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah. climate change. I just was reading recently that Bill Gates, you know, um, about his carbon <laughs> footprint, his homes and his planes and his yachts and so forth. He said, well, you know, these rules don't apply to me because I do so much good in the world. I have a reason to fly around and yacht around, you know, and it's that's at the big high end. But it's the same things. This applies to me until it doesn't apply to me. It applies right. to you. And, right. Uh, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I Well, he's so important. Right. Oh, yes. He's, He's a very, very important man. Yes. 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 And so, you know, we're insignificant. So, you know, his footprint really doesn't matter. It's just ours. You know, and you said something earlier, uh, and I think, and again, we brought this up on the show several times. You said, uh, you know, during COVID or your friends uh, didn't know what math class child had, but they were driving twice a week to, you know, two hours to a special soccer or f- athletic program. You have to be involved and you have to know what's going on with the important things. And when you say, I don't have time, I can't. Well, if you have time to drive to these sporting events and participate in practices, uh, you know, six nights a week, you have time to know what's happening with surveys and classes and academics. Yes, because math and reading are going to get you much further than hockey on the weekend. Yeah, well, everybody. Well, absolutely. And and a big one, um, you know, that has taken place over the past couple of decades, right, is reading, right? And Parents, now I, I will give parents a bit of a pass on this one because they probably just didn't realize this is how they were teaching uh, reading. But uh, they, we've been uncovering, uncovering generations of children who can't read, who can't read, who are not like bad children, who are not in you know uh, terrible school districts. But they, the way they taught, were t- being taught to read using this cueing system where they, you know, were not using phonics to read. Uh, they were just using pictures, memorization, um, similar words, uh, and they were decoding that way as opposed to actually learning how to read. Uh, and, and now it's come so far as, you know, there's legislation, it's called the science of reading. It's crazy that we would have to do legislation saying, actually, you have to use this methodology to read, right? Uh, because it's even that has gotten political. But wow. again, a lot of them don't know it until, you know, until they sit down with their kid and they're like, wait a minute, this is, not re- that's not reading. They've memorized this, is, this. This is a great, um, this is a great time to tell people there's something called classical education that everyone should look at for their children because our, yes. our public school system is so far gone. The methods, even some of the private schools, when we were looking at private schools, cause we had, we said the last two children just cannot do the public school system. And um, when we when we looked at the private schools, a lot of them were actually just mirroring the public school system, yes. which my question to those schools literally each time is, why would I come here and pay for something that I can get at the public school? But when you seek out um, education for your children, I really encourage people to look at classical education because it is a way that even students with disabilities can learn and thrive and Absolutely. thrive. And it is the oldest way of learning known to man. That has a track record. Yeah. I mean, a track record. Only a couple thousand years. So let's not talk about that. Right. That's what, and, and, you know, I know I challenged, so my kids went to parochial school um, all through up until eighth grade. And when I, my daughter started um, and I got a letter from the diocese talking about the, uh, how they were going to take on common core and, you know, it gives them, they weren't going to adopt it. They were adapting to it. And it gave them the ability to take the best parts. 
So I quickly respond and I said, that sounds really interesting. Could you articulate to me what you mean by adapting to and not adopting? And then could you also uh, articulate what are those best parts? Because I've been digging through and I have yet to find any. Um, and, and at that time, the director of education of the diocese only would call me and talk me through it, would not put anything in writing. Was this about so, seven years ago? Because I was having the same conversations with some of the schools that were giving me the same verbiage, so, you know, different parochial schools than your kids go to. But I talked to three different ones that was giving me very similar verbiage. And I said to him, I'd like for you to know, and I don't normally say this to people, but I do have a PhD and a, you know, and I have an education. So I do understand the, you know, theories. So can we have this conversation in a very direct manner? And all of a sudden it all came out. But it did, it, they would not address it directly until I, I said that. And I was just, what, they're trying to trick people is what they're trying to do. One of my favorite yes. lines is, could you please define the term? You know, when they use these words, because they use things that yes. sound, could you please A define that word? Yes. Could yes. you define word what salad. that means? Christo-fascist. Um, yes. Or you're yeah. extreme. Could you please define what that means? Yeah. And, you know, you said that with the reading. I remember that my kids, they did go to public school. Um, I went to private school, so I wanted them to go to public school, but I was very involved. And I remember in kindergarten, they were doing this kid writing, it was called. It meant you yes. just write it any old way you think. Like You I thought it are, sounded. or anything, I are yeah. good, like oh, GD, you know, yeah. no vowels, no punctuation. And uh, it was like, well, they're just expressing. It was about the creativity and expression and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not hurting their little feelings with conformity to things like grammar and punctuation. And I think that was one of the worst things they ever did because that was the foundation from kindergarten to just yes. nonsense, you know, and, that, and then we and see. And it's that foundation of that methodology. You're absolutely right. Right. Because yeah. I would let my, my daughter, I, I. I said to my daughter when we were going through it um, and I was, you know, tracking through this again and I, and she goes, Oh my gosh. She goes, yeah, we had those stupid baggy books. Remember those? And finally I was at my wits end as a mom. And I said, that's it. We're done. Give me that stinking book. Um, Cause it would send her out in a hall with another student to work through her baggy book. So she would just try to memorize it as, you know, and I, I said, we, we, we will, you will know how to read by the end of this month. You will know how to read. And she goes, and it was you sitting there every night when she got home from school, working through those books with phonics, like with sounding them out. What sounds do these make? Clap this sound out for me, whatever it took. And she's like, that's how I finally learned how to read. And I, and I think that we actually, like when you look at some of the research behind the children that thrive and the children that don't, it really comes back to the home. And that's yes. what people need to understand that there really isn't much happening in public, public uh, education it, right now. It's the home influence that is determining the success of your child. You know, and I think um, we started this about mental health and so forth. Our, um, uh, my children are adopted and our youngest came to us at age three. And I remember when we got her, they said, you're going to have to take her for evaluation. She needs special help. Da, da. I said, well, I don't know that that's the case. I just don't think uh, maybe someone's not worked with her, you yeah. know? Uh, so we did that and she, she was fine. What we did learn. And again, this is by paying attention to your children. She learned a different way. She likes hands-on, you know, she, yes. hate, she hated to sit and read a book, but she would help me cook a recipe and she would sit there and read it back to me. And I'm like, she can read. It's just what she prefers and how she learns, you know, the, so we, that's what we adopted, but you have to know your children that, and that goes back to this mental health stuff, you know, that they want to say, oh, well, look, yeah, she needs to be in this program. 
uh, before you're like, wait a second, I don't know that that's right. And you have to trust your gut yeah. and get other help, but be aware what's happening. The problem is, is that I call them um, educrats, right? So um, there's all these individuals, they're not teachers. Uh, they're all these people, they studied education. They don't have kids, right? A lot of them have never even taught, but they're going to tell you how to educate your kid or how to raise your kid. And then, and then there's this mentality that parents are too ignorant to know what's best for their child, right? So they know the public education system knows what's best for your child. They can't get them to read, right? Um, but they do know what's best for your child. And so if they can literally sit there and play catch and receive them from your womb, uh, that's what they would prefer. Just you let know, us catch them and we'll we'll raise them for you. Right. It's interesting you say that because I was asking uh, a person who was running for a school board some questions about the school board and her answer, well, you don't really understand um, what mm. happens on a school board. You know, you just don't have the experience to, yes. to understand mm-hmm. the issues. Okay. okay. Right. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We'll not be voting yeah, for you. you. Well, yeah. And that goes back. Yeah. We had someone on this show a couple of weeks ago who grew up in the USSR and Soviet, uh, in the Soviet Union until age eight and talked about that, that yeah. all of the, you know, turning in your parents, turning in each other for Yes. And it started in the school. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the school said, Hey, you turned in your parents, you get a gold star, you know, the parents are taken away to the re-education camp, but um, then that child, and then other kids did. I mean, it, that's, it, it is so important. And I know a lot, they call us extreme because we're saying these well, things. And fashion. there's the gaslighting of us, right? So yes. this stuff is happening here and they're gaslighting us, right? Up is down, down is up, right? You're just, you're extreme, right? You, you want to limit government? Oh, listen to that fascist over there, right? Like they just manipulate rename it, re, you know, re, re, redefine everything. And, and we're sitting here going, what? So if you don't get involved and you don't push back, you're going to get continue to get what you got. I mean, in Pennsylvania, we had a snitch line, right? Did you see somebody out did, without a mask? Turn them in. Do you see a business open that shouldn't be? Was I Go not supposed to, to call? Line. Did you, was I not supposed to call that snitch line? I, I had a kefir waiver. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I heard somebody saying, what are you talking about snitch line? I said, it's a snitch line. Isn't this what they did in Germany? Right. Isn't this yeah. the kind of stuff? Like, do, let's not pretend it is not that way. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this is depressing. Yes, it is. But there's, so, so the good news is there's more of us than there are of them. Parents are woke. woke more woken up than they have ever been before they're asking questions or challenging it and while everybody says oh we had such a terrible election turnout look what happened we lost all our judicial races statewide in pennsylvania i can tell you that we flipped many school boards and in my district we we flipped two major school boards all five seats right all politics is local, right? That's what impacts you the most. Everybody goes out for the presidential election, but it's actually your township supervisors or your borough council or wherever, you know, that local government is that impacts your life the most and the most directly, right? So school board, you can control that. You get to control that. So it's interesting that we keep on losing these bigger races to Democrats, but the local races where it really matters keep going to Republicans. That seems like a little bit of a contra, uh, you know, uh, right? Yeah, counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I'm just wondering. We have just to wondering. keep. Yeah, we have to keep driving that out. 
um, uh, across, right? Because we are, remember, uh, we're, we're York County, right? And a lot of us, you just get your, your conservative, you know, your Republican voter registration with your birth certificate. Um, <laughs> you get to Philadelphia and it's a whole different world there, right? They get yeah. their Democrat, uh, you know, voter registration with their birth certificate um, and they get two uh, for each uh, birth. So <laughs> uh, it's a whole different ball game that we're dealing with here. My friend but, got seven. <laughs> uh, uh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we need to remain involved. So if you say, oh, it's so you throw up your hands, right? And you w- walk away, right? That's what they want you to do. Um, and your other hope is, I always say in my office, when I'm, you know, when we're frustrated, when it, we're losing the battle, right? We know who won the war, right? We know in the end, Jesus wins, yeah. right? Jesus wins. These are battles that we're going to, you know, they're going to make us stronger, right? We're going to persevere in spite of, in spite of, you know, all of the obstacles that are there. And it's not, we're not going to get to where we want to be overnight. And we might not realize that we're, where we're supposed to be at that time, but we need to do what we know is right. We need to fight the good fight. We need to stay engaged and accountability. Like I said, you call your state representative and you say, Hey, I saw that you voted yes on that spending bill. Why would you have done that? Right. They give you some line of bull. You, I mean, be, be respectful, but say, really, I, I disagree with you and I will be watching and I will be letting my neighbors know as well. You know, right. That's local. That's what scares them the most. I mean, these are the people that actually control whether or not they're in office or not. And this is phone calls better, emails better. Like what? Like for the average person. I say, I say both. You know, you don't need to call on every subject, but I would call. Right. And if you can't get to the member, say, okay, say, I would personally like to know X, Y, Z. If you could get back to me and let me know, right, how Representative Smith plans to vote on this, I would appreciate it. If I don't hear back from you, I'll give you a call. Right. I don't hear back from you by Tuesday. I'll give you a call on Wednesday. So they know. Because I can tell you, I have a list I get every day from my staff that says, hey, you know, Mary Sue called and she's still waiting for an answer on this, or I st- still need to know if you got this information or that information. And I'm sure every office works differently. But at the end of the day, right, I have 64,000 bosses. And if they don't like what I do, they can choose somebody else every two years, every two years. Um, so you do need to remain engaged and do it at the local level, marching up to Harrisburg or your state capital. You know, it all, it sounds good. It feels good. No, it's that local office. You go into that local office. So they know, you know, I, they're engaged. They're paying attention to what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, you know, when you said politics are local, this past election, we did lose judges in, and I actually resigned as a, com- uh, a Republican committee person um, for a number of reasons, but I stood at the polls for my friend who was specifically running for school board. One of those parents who just got involved during COVID saw what was wrong. They portrayed her as a Nazi. They actually had laminated cards per, you know, that, that she was with groups that were associated with Nazism I mean, crazy stuff, but she won. And at that polls, I actually changed people's votes because they didn't realize I would say, are you aware? And I led with something. The district hasn't had a balanced budget for four years. Oh my gosh. Cause everyone's worried about their pocketbook. She won the election. And while normally I'd be very depressed, like with the judges, I felt really empowered because my person, the one thing I was focused on, her school board seat, 
Uh, she won. She de defeated an incumbent. And you're exactly right. You got to get involved right at that local level. And honestly, that impacts more families directly than even the state representative or the judge. Uh, That's so, right. You know, so you, you have to do that and find ways to get involved. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, you get the government you deserve. Well, and because I never gotten got involved into politics prior to COVID, I feel like I got the government <laughs> I, deserve. I deserved. So I deserve. thank you right. for let, reminding me of that as I try to forget yeah. all the... And, and listen, we didn't get here overnight, right? We didn't get here overnight and we're not going to get where we want to be overnight. And I said, I ran in 16 when Trump was first on the ballot. Then everybody was out like gangbusters. And then I had to run two years, you know, really a year later, I'm running again. Um, I have somebody who's spending over $100,000 against me, and it's a ghost town. And we also had all these judicial races in between in Pennsylvania, and we got our clocks cleaned every time. And then in 2020, everybody was out like gangbusters again. So you don't get to show up once every four years and then get mad because you don't get your way. We have 30 yeah. seconds, Dawn. Any final 30 seconds worth of advice uh, for those that are listening, wherever they are in Pennsylvania or in the United States? I, wherever you are, call your local state representative. Call your state senator on issues that matter to you. Find out where they're at. Get an answer from them. Remain in communications. You don't need to be a nag, but you should be communicating with them. They need to know who you are. They work for you. We work for you. Representative Dawn Keeper, thank you so much for fighting for us. And it's a lesson for all of us, wherever you are, whatever you can do today, stand up, step forward, and 